sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right. Happy Friday. Fantasy sports today here on SportsGrid. It is great to see everyone out there watching us, whether it's on SportsGrid.com, any streaming devices or on YouTube. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. Two hours each and every day, noon to two Eastern. We cover fantasy sports. We cover wagering. We cover the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, the NBA, hockey, whatever you can imagine. We dive into it. We will today here on the show, Joe, just uh, basically a week away from uh, from Christmas Day. Hanukkah comes to an end. Of course, we have other holidays coming up here. It's a festive time of the year here at Sports Grid. Yes, and let's not forget Festivus as well, just around the corner. So uh, there will be an airing of the grievances, perhaps some feats of strength as well. I- I'm smelling next week uh, some sort of Festivus-themed bit here on this program. Just putting that out there. It's a good chance that's coming. So you're going to want to set your DVRs for that for sure. But uh, yeah, some huge news in the NFL. Quarterback returning. We're going to get to that. And uh, Craig, I got to say, I don't know about you, I'm I'm digging the new holiday music here at the network, man. Every time, every break, I'm just just rocking out. I love it, man. New music never hurt anybody. I thought it was the Hasselhoff music there for a second, but no, it's uh, it's good stuff. (laughs) I'm glad everybody's having a really good holiday. Certainly, Joe and I will be here next week as well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. For those of you who are tuning in, of course, on Christmas Day, uh, since I am Jewish, we don't celebrate Christmas. I will be working Friday doing a little in-game live, so happy to fill in, and I'll be with you guys all next week as well. So before we get to next week, let's cap off this week and look at our highlights and our headlines from last night. Raiders beat the Chargers uh, in overtime. That's not true. The Chargers beat the Raiders, actually, in overtime. It was a really good game. Uh, Chargers late got a score that basically, I mean, proved that the Raiders can't play any defense whatsoever. And that's really the bottom line. Chargers getting the win off that. Derek Carr left the game early with a non-contact injury. It was really ugly, him running up and down the field and then stopping and then coming out of the game. Drew Brees will start for the Saints on Sunday, as Joe just said. Lundquist not going to play for the Rangers this past year. That's a really sad situation with his heart condition, one of the great goaltenders of all time. Uh, Virginia's going to play Gonzaga the day after Christmas, so we'll get the two best teams in the country. And then the Angels and White Sox, their first Sunday night baseball game is uh, is coming up as well. So feel like Ron Burgundy a little bit just reading what I see on the screen and not going by the <laughs> truth, but that's where we'll start here today. Well, hopefully there's no other surprises there, you know, because uh, <laughs> I don't know what San Diego is going to be anticipating. Well, in kind of funny because it was the Chargers once upon a time but uh, I I know we're going to break that game down so I kind of want to focus on the Drew Brees thing for a moment if I may because if there ever was a signal that this is the swan song for Drew Brees this is it Uh, I don't know how he is going to do this but clearly he kind of is smelling the end here a little bit he's got two games now to play in five days and that is a lot to ask of anybody at this stage in the NFL and the stage of uh, an older quarterback like Drew Brees coming off the injuries that he's coming off of. And if anybody can do it, Brees can. I mean, he is a tough guy. He's played through tons of injuries before. But this just feels like Drew Brees kind of understands the urgency of winning these games and possibly getting to that bye. And if you can get to that bye or beat Kansas City, how important that very well might be in these last two games of the season. And I got to tell you, Craig, that to me – is what it feels like. It feels like Breeze understands, all right, this is it. I, I got to set myself in the, in the best possible situation. Uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to be bad. 
can I just get there? Can I get to the Super Bowl? Can I close out this career on this high note and leave on top? And very well might be able to. It's eluded them the last few years as we welcome in our radio audience here to Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Group. We're talking about Drew Brees' return. And, and I'll put it to you, Craig. Do you think this return, perhaps a little premature for Brees, really is that signal of, look, this is my last hurrah. I want to get as much football as I can. I want to get myself and my team in the best possible position that I can before I call it quits because it's starting to feel very much like that. Joe, you tell a very good story, but I don't know if it's fiction or nonfiction. I don't know the answer to that, if that's what Drew Brees is thinking, because I'm not related to him and I'm not him. Um, I think simply put, uh, Taysom Hill, as we've talked about during the week, hasn't looked nearly as good and has turned the ball over. And I think that the Saints are going to have to decide whether or not they want Drew Brees back on the field. They've decided it is this week. I think this sort of goes against a lot of the things that uh, most people were saying all week long, which also goes to show you that we really have, don't have a clue about injuries in particular as well. So, um, I, I, look, I've thought that this would be the end for Breeze. I don't know that this game in particular is really the one for him to come back with, especially considering that it's not really a divisional game and it's not going to determine whether or not them uh, or Tampa Bay ends up in, in first place because clearly it's it's Tampa it's it's just a you know basically a showdown between those two teams coming up I think they're going to probably end up playing for a third time that's for sure but uh I I don't know I don't know the answer to this and to pretend that I would would be crazy it's the equivalent of like an Andrew Luck retirement I don't know what Breeze is going to do your story is certainly plausible I just don't know that if that's really the deal no I like to spin a good yarn I mean, look, that's it just definitely kind of what's happening here. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, look, it's it's not far fetched anyway, because I think the last couple of years, there's definitely been that narrative. If Drew Brees had gotten to the Super Bowl at the very least, that he would have called it quits two years ago. Didn't happen. Same thing last year. They've had some really just awful defeats in the playoffs. And with the injuries now two years in a row for Drew Brees, the, the body is, I think, a little bit more unwilling. As we all get older, these things happen. It's the natural progression. He sees other opportunities there ahead of him. He's already got a deal to be a broadcaster. I mean, it's already out there for him. So this is it. I mean, he, he might only have a few football games left in him. And maybe there's some pressure in the organization, too, which so much discussion going on about Taysom Hill, about Winston, and all this talk going on. You know, clearly the Saints are preparing for a future without Drew Brees. And as far as Drew Brees is concerned, I don't know how many games you do have left. I mean, let's be realistic. Coming into the season, a lot of people thought this might be the last year. So for me, this is a signal that it very well might be. All right. All right. Our fantasy standouts are coming up next. Make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. You are back on the grid here with us, Craig Nish and Joe Pizzapia. Pretty entertaining game last night in the NFL, of course, any game the Chargers are in, you know that's going to come down to the end. They're going to make a few mistakes. And ironically, they ended up pulling this one out after making as many possible mistakes as you can make. It just was one of those games where uh, you knew the team with the ball last was probably going to win, and that indeed was the case as the Chargers come out on top in overtime. Let's go through the fantasy standouts, and then we'll talk more about it. Justin Herbert, 22 of 32, 314 passing yards, 14 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and of course scored one Marcus Mariota came in for the injured David Carr. We'll probably see him again next week. I thought he looked pretty good, 
17 of 28, 226 passing yards, 88 rushing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And he did get a little wild at the end of the game, so we'll have mm-hmm. to see how that plays out moving forward. Eckler had 13 carries, 60 yards, four receptions, 19 yards. Josh Jacobs, 26, 76 on the ground. His yards per carry, pretty concerning this year. Three receptions, mm-hmm. 38 yards for him and a touchdown. Uh, Henry was one of the better receivers for the Chargers with Allen and, and Williams both basically playing limited. Very rare when they actually say it, and it happens. And that's really what happened yesterday. They didn't mm-hmm. do much. Henry, 5 for 65 and a touchdown. And then Waller, another monster game, nine receptions, 150 receiving yards and a touchdown. If you started Waller at tight end in your fantasy semifinals, you got to be feeling really good going into this weekend because odds of somebody, your opponent, matching that would be very slim. But a very entertaining game, I thought, Joe, from start to finish there. A lot of mistakes from both teams in particular. Mm-hmm. And and look, the Chargers now have won two games back-to-back. They tried to give these games away as much as they possibly could, and they got the win. For the Raiders, I'm kind of sad. I really am because this is two years in a row that exactly the same thing is happening with them. And yeah. if Miami should beat New England this week and Miami beats the Raiders next week, that's the end. Raiders are out. And I think most people three weeks ago thought it was a foregone conclusion. The Raiders were going to the playoffs. Yeah, folding up at the end again two years in a row is not the way you want to finish seasons. And I know they've made a lot of progress, and I understand Derek Carr getting hurt in this game. And I'd be shocked if he was able to play next week from the way he came out of that game. I mean, that looked like a serious groin issue. They said there was no tear off the bone or anything like that, which is great news. But groin injuries are, you know, not not good. Let's put it that way. I mean, I'd just be shocked if Derek Carr was able to get out there. And I know a lot of people were concerned. And I, I took so many questions yesterday in the evening about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and can you start them and can you start Herbert without them? And I thought, I was like, look, in in a short week here, when guys are trying their best to get on the field, it just didn't seem like a good play. If you got somebody healthy, play the healthy guy. And luckily, if you did, you were okay. And I'll say this, with those guys not contributing, this was in a lot of ways to me, Justin Herbert's most impressive performance of the year. Um, the guy just had a will to win yesterday, and you could see he was kind of spark there, you know, going against the the other Oregon Duck there who he kind of idolized growing up. That was a fascinating story that he told after the game and, you know, talking about, oh, Marcus Mariota was my guy, and I used to pretend that I was him when I was, you know, in the backyard. That's it's pretty amazing. I'm sorry Marcus Mariota is like, hey, dude, I'm not that old. But on the other side of this game, Mariota had some great moments, and he was playing with confidence, which I don't think we've seen Mariota do in quite some time. Um, Mariota had a run a couple years ago where he was a QB one for about eight weeks. He was brilliant. And it all fell apart at the end of that season and then injuries. And then obviously next thing, you know, you know, changes have happened and it would be fascinating because now, I mean, you're probably in a spot where you're gonna have to play Marcus Mariota if you are the Las Vegas Raiders. And yes, he did make some mistakes. He made some incredible plays too. He made a couple incredible throws, one in particular to Waller for this touchdown and that incredible leaping you know, a uh, rushing touchdown was unbelievable too. But then you see the mistakes. You see the the interception that gets run back 50 yards. You, you see at the end not being able to convert that third and goal. And you could see in overtime when they had to settle for the field goal that John Gruden just had a terrible feeling that the defense couldn't stop anybody. And he was right. Eventually they could not. And look, the Chargers, like you said, every week they try to give away games. They missed a couple of huge field goals here. This could have ended before overtime. It did not. But Justin Herbert willed this team to win. Good on him. Another impressive outing for the youngster, especially down key weapons in this scenario, too. He made the most of what he had on the field, and I think that, to me, is always the most impressive thing in a quarterback. When you can go out there and put up a 30 spot or whatever it is on a team without your elite offensive weapons, that is that is something. 
Yeah, and and look, uh, it was very some of the play calling also bizarre on the Chargers. Herbert was throwing the ball so well, and then they just start running. Just an, an odd team for sure. But this is really nothing new. This has been going on all season long for them. Mm-hmm. And for the Raiders, their defense also not good. But in the biggest moment in overtime, they basically could not score a touchdown. They ended up kicking a field goal. And that was really the undoing for them. But again, Chargers could have won that game in in regulation, essentially, because all Justin Herbert had to do was take a knee and Badgley would have kicked the field goal. But instead, he rolls out, gets tackled, loses seven yards, and then he misses the field goal. So I don't know how the Chargers press on with what they're doing here. But look, it's just been nothing different from them over the last couple of years. And I think that's where we're at with them again. All right, over on FanDuel this weekend, we're going to talk to Jim Sanis of Number Fire coming up in probably about an hour from now so you want to stay tuned we'll go through quarterback running back wide receiver i I think we even have a defense for you this week but joe on FanDuel this week certainly you uh you'll be involved in that so who do you like in terms of your values as well well look we're always looking for values we're looking for guys that you know are cost effective good returns on investment and right now craig we're talking about return investment in quarterback the guy who's just doing it week in week out is philip rivers now trubisky's cheap this week jaylen hurts is uh, obviously cheap this week as well. They're right around the same price, but in terms of floor, which you can count on, I think the floor is higher with Rivers. Now, the ceiling might be higher with the other two, but there's also downside to the other two, and you have to build that in depending upon what contest you're playing. So Phil Rivers against Houston, he's at home. This is exactly the kind of matchup you want. He's got at least 18 fantasy points in his last four games. That's a pretty good value. So he's hovering somewhere almost around 3X most weeks on that 7K. That's exactly where you want to be. Cam Akers, I mean, you have to take the chance here. I understand maybe they're up by a lot, and I understand maybe it starts to differentiate a little bit, but the workload that Cam Akers is trending towards, how good he looked a couple weeks ago on that Thursday night game, the extra rest, everything in my mind points to him being a must-start this week, especially because you have Dalvin Cook all the way so high. You have you know over 10K for Derrick Henry in a great contest for him, great matchup, but still you got to pay a ton. But Cam Akers at 6'6 is just a tremendous value, and we've been waiting a really good middle value at running back. And this week, we're actually going to get a fair amount of it. Jonathan Taylor's around there. David Montgomery's around there. But Akers is still cheaper than both of them. He's got a great matchup against that Jets defense. Brandon Ayuk has been a target monster. He was on this same team last week, along with Phillip Rivers. And it was another really good contest for him. Now, we'll see what happens with Kittle. But look, with Mostert out, they're already down another weapon. Yes, Jeffrey Wilson's going to be another value at 5,800. But I'll tell you what, for my money... The guy that you really want to pay attention to is Brandon Ayuk because that target volume has been insane. He's catching the football, too. He's not just getting the targets and missing them like A.J. Greasy style. He's actually converting them, and that's what we want. Uh, It's tight end position. Jared Cook has double digits the last two weeks. got a touchdown last two weeks. Now, here's the thing. This was kind of going into things, thinking that Taysom Hill's quarterback. Now, with Drew Brees, I still think it's viable, but I also think Logan Thomas was even cheaper by about 100 bucks or so. was actually also in play as well. And, of course, this week, You can make every possible reason to pay up for the Rams defense against the Jets. But if you don't want to, I want to throw the Chiefs out there. I'm going to throw the Chiefs out there because originally it was the Taysom Hill turnover machine that I thought they could take advantage of. But with Drew Brees back, there's a little bit of question mark here for me. Now, I am sure they're both going to be involved in this game. But, Craig, I feel like that Chiefs defense right now, if you look kind of statistically where they are in terms of fantasy points, you know, not only can they get the turnovers for you, they can get to the quarterback at times, but also, don't forget, they can make big return plays. And that's one of those things where, you know, you break one of those big kick returns, or one of those punt returns, that is a game changer, and it's a pretty good cost. So those are my values this week going into week 15. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and and certainly, I, you know, for FanDuel, that's really the fun part about the fantasy football season. I know a lot of you are watching, and you're like, my season league came to an end. Well, it's a really good time right now for those of you who maybe have never played to check out FanDuel and go on there and maybe play on the DFS site. And if you're living in a state where you can legally bet, it's certainly a lot of fun. Doesn't mean that you have to unload your entire bankroll on one game or join the most expensive tournament, but it's a great way to still stay engaged at the end of the fantasy football season because the next two weeks, and that's basically it. So yeah, check that out. Certainly some really good games coming up this weekend. Ayuk in particular is interesting because he has been fantastic and uh, there really aren't a lot of good options there at wide receiver for the 49ers. All right, we'll talk a little baseball when we come back. Make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. For those of you who are getting ready for the fantasy baseball season, congratulations to my co-host Joe Pizapia as the new edition, the 2020-2021 Fantasy Black Book just hit Amazon yesterday, Joe, and congratulations on being the number one book in the baseball category there as we're headed toward Christmas Day. It's a really good investment for those of you who are looking for a way to get an early start in the 2020-2021 fantasy baseball season. And here on this show, as we move closer to fantasy baseball, we'll dive in a little bit more like we will do here on this segment. So a job well done to you and your entire team. Well, thank you very much. And it is truly a a team effort. Uh, It's amazing when we debut number one in any genre, usually fantasy sports, but when you debut in number one in football or baseball and the overall that is a stunning thing and i just want to thank everybody out there for their loyalty to the brand i love when i get these tweets where people are so excited when it comes out it's like they're you know it's like christmas is early for them and they tell you these stories like literally somebody tweeted me i was in 11 leagues and i made nine playoffs last year with the black book somebody said you know i never finished in the money before and then i got the black book in the last three years i've won two championships like that kind of stuff is exactly why we do it it's a great team of people. Eric Cross is one of the best prospect writers out there. So it's a hundred prospects for dynasty leagues towards your fantasy leagues. Not, you know, not just evaluating of talent, evaluating of talent for fantasy purposes, more importantly, which nobody else is really doing like we are. Paul Sporer, you know, Paul, friend of ours, a uh, friend of the show here. He always comes on. I'm sure we'll have him on in January and February. He does all the starting pitcher profiles, the Welsh who's been on our show here um, from the Black Book. Uh, we've got a phenomenal group of people here. Chris Meany uh, from Fade the Noise, uh, Aaron Pags, Michael Simeone. Um, it's just uh, Ariel Cohen from Fangraphs, who was FSWA Writer of the Year last year. It's just, it's amazing to me. And, and of course, my boy Casey Bubba, my podcast partner for DFS Baseball. Like, it is a great group of people. They're so passionate about what they're writing. They're so passionate. And you get RPV, you get all that stuff in there together. And I'm very lucky to have all those readers. We've been doing this for 10 years now. This is year 11, actually. This is the 17th book. And uh, it's because of the people out there, because we've never had major backing. It's always been an independent publication. And uh, it's like you have another child. It's a weird thing. It's like whenever a new book comes out, it's like, oh, it's the birth of a child. You're really excited. And that it's an amazing thing. And you just feel like, wow, look at that. I can't believe somehow this all happened. And it does every time. So uh, go out there early. Buy it for uh, a relative. It fits in the stocking. The paperback folds up. You can fit it right in the stocking there. It's beautiful. It's black. So if you don't like somebody, you can pretend it's coal. It's very versatile. That's what you want to do. 
<laughs> I would assume the black book is black because that's it is. just kind of adds up. Very know, black. Makes sense. It's black. It's I mean, cool. the black book black. wouldn't be green. You know, no, I'm I'm looking forward to the purple book. I don't know when the release of that is. I know you. We're have working on it. We're working on it. We're we're trying Who's to master take, me and my team. Ah, okay. I have a ma- I, I I had a mouse working on it with me, but we had to let him go. <laughs> You're you know what I I yesterday I'm shoveling the snow. True story. I'm shoveling the walk, and a mouse runs across from one end of the walk to the other, and I I freaked out, and I went, oh my god. He must have come all the way up for Florida. That's what happened. It's Craig Mish's other mouth. That's what I tell you. Yeah, it's it's no good. I don't like this. I, I if this is what's going to happen when you know the the mice travel through the airways between us. Mm-mm, not doing that. No good. But um, it's nice to see you that know. you're uh, employing a lot of out of work animals. That's good. I listen. I'm 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 very cultural sensitive, and and I, I don't discriminate <laughs> against animals. And so the purple book, it's on its way. It's uh, we're going to master how to take the two best, two or three best players in all of fa- fantasy sports and finish at the bottom. We're on it. We did it last year. We're going to try and do it again <laughs> I this don't year. Know how that we're on our really way. We're going to get it done. All right, that let's get stunning. to uh, baseball here real quick. Before we get to some uh, some of the virtual winter meetings that are going on, real quick, there was one signing today. It was Michael Waka, one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Rays for $3 million. Normally, if this happens, Joe, and specifically if it happens with the Mets, we don't care uh, because it happened last year, and the Mets signed him, and he pitched to a 6 ERA. Waka, once upon a time, was back 2013-14, I want to say, someone that was very drafted mm-hmm. very heavily, came off a great postseason, ended up having a couple of really good years with St. Louis, but never really fully put it together. And now, I don't know what his fantasy relevance will be. I don't think he probably has any, because they'll use him in such weird ways, Tampa Bay, that, that he won't be relevant. But it is always curious to see, and, and back, I think, a few years ago was when Houston got a guy, we'd always be like, ooh, you know, that, that guy could end up being mm-hmm. a lot better than yeah. we thought. I, I would feel that way about Waka, too. I don't think he has any fantasy value. But I think that he'll end up, in my mind, doing something better than what we thought because they have done that with virtually everyone they've had. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Pirates had a run like that too, if you recall, where they were just like grabbing these arms and you go, who's this guy? And the next thing you know, he's winning 15 games. It was just, you know, some teams go through that little bit of a cycle depending on who's there in terms of pitching coach. But I, I don't think there's much left in the tank there. Maybe I'm wrong, but Tampa certainly the place to find yourself. Uh, Tampa, Houston, those are two spots in the last couple of years where you, it does kind of perk your ears a little bit and go, okay, he signed with there. Hmm, maybe that's a guy right. at least to monitor on the waiver wire. I don't want to throw draft capital on Michael Waka, but uh, it, it is not lost on me that once upon a time, Michael Waka was a guy that was a coveted fantasy pitcher. I mean, he looked like one of the better up-and-coming investments in a young pitcher in St. Louis, great organization, lots of run support, good defense, everything you could possibly imagine, good strikeout rate. And then he had an injury, and he was never the same pitcher after that, and that's always a difficult thing. And whenever you – and I talk about this in the Black Book. When you're in dynasty leagues, first of all, most dynasty leagues only last about five years or so, so don't don't go crazy here. Build for a three-year window. But also understand that you know investing in young pitching can be very dangerous. You know, investing in young position players, good, young pitching, very volatile. And even though they can look as good as Michael Waka looked, it could look as bad as Michael Waka's looked on the back end, too. And that's something you have to understand and and account for in, in the way that you approach dynasty and keeper league formats of fantasy baseball. So it's good that Michael Waka's employed. I hope he works out there for them. But last year was just not pretty for the Mets. Yeah, and and look, the Mets tried a lot of different things. I think they went into the season thinking they had the deepest rotation. I remember Brody Van Wagenen talking about that because they added Porcello and they had Syndergaard and they had all these 
Strowman. You know, viable arms. <laughs> yeah, they had like eight guys yeah. and eight equal three, I think, at one point during the season. So look, it, 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 look, it's not easy to run a major league baseball team, let alone a fantasy baseball team. But it's kind of what happened with the Mets. We'll keep an eye on Waka, but you know, certainly for me, he would only be an American League only option, and and probably not even much of one at that. But uh, the one thing about the Rays also, let's also say. And keep in, keep in mind when we do get to the fantasy discussion is they don't play around. So if he doesn't start mm-hmm. off too well, it could be over very quickly. They don't care. Mm-hmm. They will not, not use you if they don't think that you're very good. And I've seen that too. So uh, interesting name at the very least. Okay, let's move on to a little baseball discussion. Trying to do a little bit of a deeper dive into some teams that you may not have a lot of awareness of. Very easy to talk about the Yankees and the Dodgers and all these great teams. But uh, this week, we've we've kind of talked about some of the lesser-known teams. I want to continue that to give you guys some awareness here in December. And then when we get to January, we'll do a little bit more of a, of a thorough look at the baseball season. But for now, we're keeping it light. Uh, let's move over to the Seattle Mariners here. Scott Service, who is the manager of the Mariners, had his Zoom virtual meeting a couple days ago. And a couple of players that he was asked about with a growing strikeout rate and two players who would figure prominently into their lineup this year were Evan White and J.P. Crawford. White, their first baseman, Crawford, their shortstop. He was asked about their plate discipline last year. It's, it's more than just tracking the walks versus the strikeout. Okay, there's more that goes into it. But when you're looking at the hard numbers, the strikeouts are something that did get in the way. Strikeouts are up around the league, not just on our team. A lot of it's driven by the velocity of pitching throughout the league. And, and it's hard to hit. It really is. But, you know, you look at these teams that get deep in the playoffs and, and win the World Series, it's teams that, you know, don't strike out quite as much. They find a way to get the bat on the ball when the pitching is, is very elite. So uh, I know Evan uh, is, is living in Arizona. He has a place down there. He's, he's spending regular time at both uh, Evan and JP are both working out at our complex um, and, and, both JD and Lake have spent time with these guys this fall trying to make a couple little mechanical adjustments. It's really hard to make mechanical adjustments in season. You have to do it in the off season. And both those guys are uh, working on some things on a little bit different program right now. But the one thing we don't want to lose is their aggressiveness at the plate. And I think JP does a really good job with his swing decisions, as does Evan. Once in a while, that ball in the strike zone, they're swinging and missing that. That's what we got to t- tighten up, make sure they can get those balls in play. But I'm not worried about those two young guys. They're working their tail off. They are going to get better. There's there's no question about that. Well, Joe, you would expect, of course, the skipper to defend his players, and so I give Scott mm-hmm. Service certainly credit for that. But uh, to say that it was a mixed bag for those two players last season would be an understatement. They signed Evan White to a long-term extension before the year began, uh, former pick out of the University of Kentucky. And, of course, Crawford they acquired as a prospect in a very big trade. Uh, but, but Joe, I, I think that from a reality and fantasy perspective, there's a lot to be desired with both. There's no question that they both play very good defense, and Seattle wanted to upgrade their defense in a big way. But offensively, I'm not really sure. I think the jury is out on both. Yeah, I, I think you're right. J.P. Crawford did have a little mini hot streak in there last year. It didn't last very long. Like I said, mini hot streak. Uh, but uh, with Evan White, you know, when you have a 250 on base percentage, that's just not good. And I understand that he missed some time in development, you know, to come up and develop at the major level. And that's very difficult. And I also understand that, you know, they made it a great commitment trying to go with the youth movement. And that's fair. And they've got a lot of talent coming. Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kalenic, Kyle, uh, obviously last year, Kyle Lewis had a phenomenal rookie season but Evan White you know has more of that profile I say like a JT Snow kind of player who if you recall JT Snow didn't hit right out of the gate either now it wasn't quite this bad 
But still, it's something to remember that sometimes those guys do get it. You just have to give them a little bit of time. The problem that Evan White's going to run into is that now Ty France is there. There's a 26-year-old they acquired this past year uh, from the uh, San Diego Padres. And France has a little bit of pop and hit for average. And, and I think that's a player to keep an eye on. So if you're in deeper leagues and Evan White struggles out of spring, there's every reason to think just send him down to AAA, let him continue to work on those things. And yes, maybe he still is your first baseman of the future because you made that kind of commitment to him. But Ty France is going to be a very interesting name because I don't think they're going to go once again if he's not hitting with him as a starting first baseman. I think it's a really tough spot there. All right, we got to take a break here on Fantasy Sports today, but we got plenty more to come up until 2 o'clock Eastern, so make sure you stay on the grid. Folks, we've got Jim Sanis coming up, coming up near the top of the hour to go through the entire DFS slate. Howard Bender joins me as we take a look at the Westgate Super Contest. Make sure you stay right there. We'll be back in two minutes here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you here until 2 o'clock Eastern. As I mentioned, our early leans in the Westgate Super Contest are coming out. By the way, those people who had to get their picks in for the Super Contest, if you liked either of those two games on Saturday, you got to get those picks in today. So we were not willing to go down that road and kind of glad we did, actually. We already had one quarterback change in the NFL. Probably be another one before Sunday. Who knows? All right, start sit in the NFL. Let's take a look at it here at running back. And again, I know that there's only a few of you who, who honestly were helping here because I know a lot of you have been eliminated in your fantasy leagues. But let's go through it here. Maybe this will help you on the DFS side as well. J.K. Dobbins against Jacksonville. Gus Edwards on the same team. Kareem Hunt, finally. Kareem Hunt bounced back last week against the Giants. I thought that, uh, I mean, honestly, I thought he was going to do it all season long, but he really fell down. Um Jeff Wilson, I think Mostert is back at practice, so we'll have to get into that. Edwards Hilaire of Kansas City against New Orleans. Oh, my gosh, Leonard Fournette is back on this list. James Conner <laughs> against Cincinnati. And then why do we even list Atlanta running backs? There's no reason to do that. So, uh, boy. So, that, look, this is, this is a tough one here because I'm going to guess <laughs> that there's someone out there who could have Conner in the playoffs that I could see they could mm -hmm. have hunt certainly, but this is like, we're speaking to somebody who has Antonio Gibson here. I think that's kind of like who we're talking to, because that's the kind of guy that helped a lot of teams throughout the season and got them to the playoffs, maybe got them to this point. So I suppose it comes down to who you're sitting, but for me, I would not start in Atlanta running back. That is for bleeping sure. No. And Wilson, I don't know that I would trust against Dallas. It would just depend on Fournette and, Every other guy here, I don't know that you have a better option getting to this point. Well, look, and what a lot of people are looking to is some of the teams are embarrassments of riches. I've seen some of these playoff rosters that people send me, and I look, and it's like, how did you get all these guys? And, you know, some were early drafts where they took Hilaire very early, and, you know, or, or should I say early drafting where they took Hilaire late is really what I mean to say. So he's in mixes with running backs that you'd be surprised. I've seen some teams like that. Uh, look, the, the more savvy owners actually have some tough decisions because sometimes they're an embarrassment of riches. Sometimes they have so much talent. They're trying to figure out which talent for this game. 
Uh, and that being said, starting with those Baltimore guys, I think that you have to feel good about J.K. Dobbins, and especially with Hollywood Brown now going to be out for this game too. You know, this is going to be a very run-heavy attack. Now, Gus Edwards in a deeper league is a flex, and, and most of these guys are flex options anyway that we're talking about. But it feels to me like the way Baltimore is going, the things are starting to trend up, and it's because they've gotten back to running the football effectively, and Lamar Jackson running the football, and most importantly, making everybody on the defensive side very, very tired chasing after him, which has really helped out last year, Mark Ingram, and it's helping out J.K. Dobbins right now. It's helping out Gus Edwards right now. Lamar Jackson's presence running the football is a huge boost to the other running backs, and normally that's not the case. Normally you say, oh, you can't start the other running backs because the quarterback runs so much. That's lazy fantasy analysis. I'm telling you right now, this is not the identity of the Baltimore Ravens. They might not even have a choice. I mean, they're down to the Des Bryant's and Miles Boykins of the world in terms of who they're throwing the ball to this week. So Dobbins and Edwards, I think, are both in play. Kareem Hunt against the Giants, certainly a flex play, absolutely, especially in PPR. I think you'd take that shot. Jeffrey Wilson, I mean, look, the, the most dirt health is really questionable right now. We'll see as time goes on. Maybe we'll get some clarity even during the show today. But Wilson's definitely on the radar. And if for some reason Mostert does not play, Mostert on FanDuel this week, I believe, is 5,800. That is a huge value, something to pay attention to, because Dallas is still not a good defensive team. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a start, but again, you have to look at your entire roster. How is your roster built? Can you handle a bad Clyde Edwards-Alaire game? Do you want to take some other shots and some other spots as your wide receiver two or three in order to find a little bit more boom in your lineup? And look, do not start any Atlanta running backs. Stop. And with Leonard Fournette... There's a danger here because the Ronald Jones handcuff owner, who was so excited last week about Ronald Jones' 18 carries, I don't think it's a natural pivot. I do not see this. I don't think you can feel good about this, and I think it needs to be said because there are people who love to handcuff running backs, who have had success at times with Ronald Jones and are now staring at a situation where they have no Ronald Jones, they have Fournette on their bench, and they're asking that question, can I start him against the Atlanta Falcons? And I'm telling you right now, that is a very dangerous road to go down. I would go through most of these guys, in fact, probably all of them, before I would go down that road if I could avoid it. I'm going to owe you $100 at the end of the year for the bet that we made on Raheem Mostert winning the uh, rushing title. I feel like I should only owe you 90 because of Leonard Fournette. I really do. I had to listen fair. to a lot of Leonard Fournette at the beginning of That's the fair. season. Like, I I'll really, the, I'll, I'll I, I really, I really don't want to see his name again. To be honest with you, I could deal with all the other names that we're Look, dealing with. I this know is not about me. This is about again. the people. This is not about me. This is about the people. And 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 I'm I trying to I say, hate, hey, I hate look, to see that name. I know you do, but I'm getting the questions. And when I get the questions, that means if I, I always feel I like understand. if I get somebody, you know, if you get one question about something, that means at least. 25 other people want to want to tweet you the same thing and ask the same question and they're watching that response so I, i'm telling you right now there are teams that are thinking of this or teams that have taken hits at running back week over week right now and they're saying well they did run the ball out of the bye but you can't trust that even against the falcons you can't trust it right now and i'm not saying leonard Fournette can't go out there and get a good fantasy day i'm saying is i would put any of those guys i would put gus edwards ahead of him right now and take my shot at gus edwards falling in the end zone than i would Fournette even getting 10 carries you could see mccoy ending up there a little bit my my take is that they will get back to the pass happy bruce arians tampa bay bucks without ronald jones this week and Leonard Fournette's going to not be an issue so uh, why would you want to start him trying to get to a championship? I understand there's a question there. I just want to answer that question. You can understand, you know, going down that well. And I'm just telling you, don't go down it because you're going to drown. 
Okay, on that positive note, let's go over to wide receivers nice here. A bunch of drill guys on this list, that's for sure here. DJ Shark, wow, again, here we go. Against Baltimore. Antonio Brown, that was last year's guy, against Atlanta. CeeDee Lamb against San Francisco. <laughs> Russell Gage against Tampa Bay. Brandon Cooks is questionable this week against Indianapolis. Deontay Johnson, oh my gosh, at Cincinnati. And then you have the wreck of Eagles wide receivers and wreck of Ravens wide receivers this week. So, oh gosh, I guess if Cooks is healthy and plays, then you can make that call and play him. Gage, I think you got to play. CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb hasn't looked great and no on Brown for me. And Chark has been as inconsistent or more than any other receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL. So, Jacksonville's yeah, receivers. And- who is Minshew's guy? Is it him? It's Ben Shark, and this is why he's back on the list, because I want to warn people once again, just because Minshew's back, let's not fall into the old habits and just think, oh, it's going to be just DJ Shark again. It might be, but do you want to go to the championship round on a might? Do you want to lose on might? Find somebody with a better floor. I'll tell you what, I think Russell Gage has a better floor this week. Julio Jones is out. Russell Gage can get your points catching the football, running the football, passing the football. I would start Russell Gage over DJ Shark. Antonio Brown's kind of fading into the background a little bit as Godwin gets healthier and healthier. So I don't think that's another great one. I think that's a desperation third wide receiver kind of start. CeeDee Lamb always looks good. I don't want to hang anything on CeeDee Lamb. It's Andy Dalton and the offense that doesn't look good. CeeDee Lamb, you look great. Don't let anybody tell you different, my friend. You look awesome, and I can't wait to draft you next year. But unfortunately, this week, even against San Francisco, I just don't feel good about the start. Amari Cooper seems to be the guy getting all the targets. And this is what Andy Dalton's right. done historically. He finds one guy, and he just kind of looks for him. And that guy's in Amari Cooper, just like it was A.J. Green. Remember him spreading the ball to other wide receivers in Cincinnati? No. You know why? Because he didn't. So same thing here with Amari Cooper. That's what it's going to be. Unfortunately, it's going to be at the detriment of C.D. Lamb. Russell Gage to start. Cooks is trending in the right direction, so I would start him as well because, once again, they just do not have a lot of options out there. Uh, Houston is really in a bad spot. Deontay Johnson's the tough one because in full-point PPR, this guy, despite all the drops, Craig, has put up a lot of crooked numbers this year, and it's a really good matchup against Cincinnati. And I get it. I understand the frustration, and I understand if he got benched last week, you're really concerned. I think I would take that chance. I'm not starting any wide receivers for Philadelphia. I think it's Dallas Goddard show and nothing else. I don't feel confident. You might get a one-off Alshon Jeffrey. You might get a one-off Travis Fulgham. You might get a one-off Jalen Rager. You can't put your championship on the line potentially to get to that championship game on the Eagles wide receivers and throwing darts on those guys. I just wouldn't do it. All right, over to tight end we go. Let's take a look at the possible start-sit options. We have Gronk at Atlanta. Logan Thomas would seem you're going to have to play him against Seattle. I wouldn't know him out, but if I had him, I'd play him. Dallas Goddard at Arizona. Jordan Aikens at Indianapolis. Someone starting yeah, Jordan no. Aikens in their semifinal round at well, Indianapolis? Well, here's the thing. Aikens has been a guy that's popped up a lot because, well, what are the other options now? Because Cooks is out, Fuller's gone, and people start looking around. And and this is, again, this is where you have to talk people off the ledge and say, you know, it's not always as easy as that simple math of addition by subtraction. You know, if you're missing Will Fuller, Jordan Aikens doesn't become Will Fuller. Okay? Uh, he's a sit for me. Dallas, especially with Brandon Cooks, looking like he's trending in the right direction. Dallas Goddard looked pretty good with with Jalen Hurts. Goddard's healthy. Goddard's been a piece of this offense when he's been healthy all year long. He's been an integral part of the Philadelphia Eagles attack for whatever that means. 
Logan Thomas, still good trend. Still, you know, he's kind of like our unsung hero this year at tight end. And in FanDuel this week, yet again, high floor, maybe low ceiling, but will he probably get you 10 points to 15 points? Probably he's going to be in that range. And uh, and I can't remember who the uh, top one was. Oh, Gronk. Gronk was Gronk. the first one on that list. Gronk, look, it's touchdown dependent, but what tight end isn't? Against Atlanta, they give up the most fantasy points to tight end. I think you just play for the touchdown, especially because there aren't a lot of options at tight end. So I would start Gronk this week, in particular against Atlanta. Yeah, I forgot about the the Washington quarterbacking situation. If it's Haskins, then I would be out on uh, on Thomas for sure. He had some good okay, games early in the year with Haskins. Just want to point that out. He did have a couple yeah, good games to start. I, 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 I like this. It was Kyle Allen. It was Kyle Allen where his Kyle Allen's where his productivity took a dip. Alex Smith, it went back up, but go back and look at the opening game log first three weeks. Him with Haskins wasn't so bad. Okay. Uh, let's go to quarterbacks here. I can I can imagine this is more of a super flex thing. You cannot tell me. You did not get any text of people asking you if Mitchell Trubisky, Jalen Hurts, or Matt Ryan in this in this round of the fantasy football playoffs. There's no way. You, you'd have to show me evidence of that. Super flex, yes. Uh, so anyway, Baker oh, Mayfield at yeah. the Giants. Mitchell Trubisky, no. Jalen Hurts, no. Matt Ryan, no. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. Somebody got to this point with, with, with having to decide with Mitchell Trubisky or Jalen Hurts? No offense <laughs> to Jalen Hurts. I like Jalen Hurts, but come on. No way. These are super flex questions, and that's what they okay. are, and that's kind of where we're at. So, But I will say this. Like it or not, Baker Mayfield the last two weeks has been a, a QB1. So you might even be able to start Baker Mayfield potentially over some guys that you just don't love the situation. I'm not going to start them over, you know, the Deshaun Watsons of the world or Russell Wilson's of the world, or even Jared Goff this week against the Jets. But if you are on that bottom of the, the, the quarterback totem pole right now, let's say you were the person who drafted Matt Ryan and Baker Mayfield is, is a possibility for you. I would start Baker Mayfield over the Giants above Matt Ryan, despite the fact how run heavy they are. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is a second quarterback. I think the trend, you got to roll with it right now against Minnesota. That defense hasn't been good all year. And Jalen Hurts, he has a floor of points because of the rushing ability. That's it. He's not going to get 100 rushing yards again, most likely, but he's going to probably get enough that he's going to probably get into that 15 range. And when you're looking at a second quarterback, that's what you want. You have to remember here, second quarterback is rough. I mean, Alex Smith hurt, right? All, you know, Sam Darnold's of the world, uh, you know, the the carousel of Jacksonville quarterbacks. It's tough. you got to find some guys right now. And some of those guys, I think Jalen Hurts and Trubisky are worth starting over to the other ones. And guys like Matt Ryan right now, I don't know how you could start him with a clear head. All right, our fantasy trivia se uh, session is coming up, so make sure you stay tuned to that. Our headlines will cap off the top of our second hour of our show, 10 minutes away from that. In addition, Jim Sanis joins us, as well as Howard Bender, then some fantasy or reality. So make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Happy holidays to everyone out there watching. It's time for us to end the first hour of our show with a little fantasy trivia. Feeling very good about this one today. I got one right this week. I think I got a second one coming here, Joe. I can't believe you didn't get the other one right when you basically said one name doesn't belong on this list and I'm not going to pick it. Ah, come on, Adrian Wilson. You even said I it know, yourself. I and know. then you went Palomalu. Why would you I'm do that I'm a conspiracy theorist. 
Oh, take the tinfoil hat and answer the question. Okay, here we go. Red zone. That's where everything matters in the red zone. It's where the scoring happens. Everybody loves the red zone. So which quarterback has the most red zone touchdown passes in 2020? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it cool Russell Wilson cooking in the red zone? Or is it the ageless wonder Tom Brady? Craig, A, B, or C? I'm going to say C, Tom Brady. He is third, unfortunately. This is actually the descending order. And then the, uh, the winner is actually Aaron Rodgers with 28 red zone touchdowns. Uh, Russell Wilson has 25 and Tom Brady has 24. So impressive showing in the red zone, at least for Tom Brady this year. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers certainly in that conversation for MVP. I got to ask you this question. If Derrick Henry gets 2,000 yards, should he start be looking at MVP possibility for Derrick Henry? Do you think he's worthy of that consideration? That's a pretty big number last time I checked. Last time a running back one was an AP did it. Uh, I don't know. Have we checked the odds? I don't think we checked the odds this week on that. I think we'll we have, have to double check Perhaps that. Perhaps next Tuesday. <laughs> I, I think, Let's see what Derrick I, I Henry does Mahomes, this weekend first. I think Mahomes is still the MVP. Yeah. But I think Henry can finish top three. Great. Last couple weeks for Mahomes. Eh. I I totally this is going to be fascinating to see. But I love yeah, I would guess, hey, the bobble right I would there. guess Henry. Oh, I don't even know. I'm going to guess. This is bad. I'm going to guess Henry right now is 20 to 1. 18 to 1, somewhere along those lines. I'm just guessing. So I'll check during the break, come back Mm -hmm. and give you the answer. Mm -hmm. And we'll also talk about some of the college football championship games getting set to go off tonight. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Joe on Twitter at JoePizzapia17. Plenty more to come here on our show. Happy holidays to all. And stay with us. We'll be right back after this quick break.